Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 58. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And another quick reminder to stay tuned to the end of the podcast for our newest segment and to hear the movie for next week. Uh, but this week, we watched the 1997 movie L.A. Confidential. So, Charles, you want to try and <laughs> summarize, summarize <laughs> L.A. Confidential? Yeah. Sure. So... In L.A. Confidential, a mass murder happens in a diner, and it turns out one of the victims was a former police officer, and another victim was a prostitute from uh, some company that offered prostitutes who were plastic, who had plastic surgery done to them to look like movie stars. Now the police officers, there's three main police officers, and they go and solve the case and find some suspects that fit the profile of who could have done these murders. They apprehend them. They think the case is all solved. Eventually, you know, some of them escape and they go and find them and shoot them. They think this case (laughs) is all solved. But then, you know, some things don't add up and the cops start digging up more and more information about this case and how they get deeper and deeper into it, as is common in noir films. You know, this goes all the way to the top. And they... And in a, in a very literal sense, it does, because they find out that the police chief is the one behind this murder. He was partnered up with the police officer who had been killed and the man who was running the prostitution operation. There was something about them possessing a large amount of heroin to sell, and the police chief was trying to take over a mob boss's organized crime operation because the mob boss had just uh, gone to jail. Kevin Spacey's character tries to talk to the police chief before this is revealed and gets killed. Uh, And then the remaining two police officers uh, have to deal with the aftermath and try to survive when the police chief tries to finish them off and, you know, go clean or, like, be freed of suspicion. And there's this big shootout, and they kill the police chief, and everything is okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's so much stuff. It's a very convoluted. So, there are so many lines. things yeah. Yeah. in this movie. They don't mess around. Yeah, uh, they fill they fill up that two hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah, uh, Chris, when this was your selection, uh, what brought you to LA Confidential? Well, I said last week I was waffling between this and The Untouchables, which is also a good movie. Yeah, yeah, but I think this movie's better. Okay, uh, this is like another like nineties ensemble cast movie, similar to Tombstone. Similar to like a lot of 90s action films where it's like 16 named actors, <laughs> right. mostly men, uh, who mm-hmm. do like masculine things and there's a story. To it. Um, I think this is like a, one of the better of those movies from the from the 90s. I mean, the cast is incredible. It's got... We have a list. Got a whole list. The big hitters are Russell Crowe in his, I think his first like breakout US role. Um, same with Guy Pierce. Hmm. A young-looking Kevin Spacey, Kim Basinger, and uh, James Cromwell, and Danny DeVito. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Having like, a blast. <laughs> and then a bunch of other players who are, who are also good. It's, it's uh, such a great that guy movie, right? Like, there, was, there were so many yeah. moments where I was like, hey, it's that guy. I've seen him yeah. in this other thing. Yeah, like the, the partner who died. <laughs> right. I that don't guy. remember where I saw him from, but... Right, the, the gay actor who ended up getting killed. Um, the, yeah. The DA was definitely someone who like, apparently was an alias, if anyone saw that show. But I was like, oh yeah, that's that guy from that thing. Th- riddled. <laughs> this movie's riddled with people like that. <laughs> yeah. So not everybody was like known-known at this time. Right. I, I think it's a fun movie. It's got great action scenes. I love that shootout at the end. It's, one, I think, one of the 
I, I really enjoy that shootout scene. I think yeah. it's, it's shot really well. It's it's a cool like neo noir film. I think it has a lot of issues that most '90s films do, and we can get into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I I still think like of like '90s movies. This is a really good one. I don't know what are your thoughts. You're 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 a little pensive about it. Yeah. yeah I mean. Yeah. Because I remember I saw I've seen this movie once before, and I saw yeah. it in like 2004 or something after it came out. Yeah. Um, and it. I still mostly liked it, but there was stuff about this that I had not remembered that did not age well. Yeah, and yeah, we can we can talk about this. <laughs> yeah, there were I had I had problems with this movie. <laughs> to say I had some problems that kind of uh, spoiled a lot of what had happened before it. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not in, as in love with this movie. Yeah, this movie. I was. Yeah, but there's there's stuff that doesn't age well in it. We can we can. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get there. Uh, yeah. well, what did you think of this one, Charles? So it was LA Confidential. Um, I thought it was okay. I yeah. enjoyed it, um, but I felt like there were issues with pacing throughout the kind of beginning and middle sections of the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, there were parts where I felt maybe confused or just not drawn in where just things were happening, but it didn't feel like things were happening, if you know what I mean. That's a lot of things. Like, there's things happening on screen, but it didn't feel like they were, like, leading somewhere. There was a while where it felt that way to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's fair. Uh, there's there's a big mystery to piece together here, and there's like a pre mystery moment and like a post mystery moment where the like the yeah. before the shootout in the film. There's actually a lot of film like before the yeah. shootout, and I mean it's the it's the closing thing. The the shootout's like, well, I guess there's no two no no. Shootouts. I mean the the, the night, night owl shooting. Owl. Oh, oh, like yeah. the crime that sort of like sparks the rest yeah. That's of the a good like, in the movie. That's like a lot of thirty long, minutes in at least. Yeah, yeah. at least. So, yeah, there's a lot that happens up until we get to the moment that kind of, like, generates, like, all the other moments in the film. Yeah, so I feel like it's kind of sizzling for a while (laughs) after the murder and the initial, like, when they think the crime is solved. Um, It just kind of sits around for a little while before people realize something is really wrong and then it really picks up. And I like the ending. I like the end bit of it when... You know, it really ramps up and when, when really it's an action intense. movie. Well, yeah, but yeah. like, you know, there's parts before that as well when like the intensity starts to ramp up and I start to feel like, you know, stuff is really happening. Yeah, it, it kind of does the very Raymond Chandler thing where there's it's like two movies really, right? Where you have mm-hmm. like the false ending like halfway through where it's like okay we solved everything and it's all wrapped up and everyone goes back to their normal lives and then it's like oh actually we really didn't and i think you see that maneuver in film noir a lot and i think it stems from from Raymond yeah. Chandler and the big sleep and things like that and they're they're paying they're paying homage uh, with with that kind of plot structure uh, it, it reminded me a lot of um, all the presidents men actually cuz really? the way the mm-hmm. crime his structure is very similar to Watergate. Okay, yeah. There's like in that it goes all the way to the top. Yeah, and yeah. there's like there's four guys who are minorities, and they Take they're the, the fall guys yeah. for this like much larger conspiracy that's going on, and mm-hmm. then the conspiracy goes all the way up to the top of the power structures in LA. Yeah, I was like, wow, this is like a weird parallel to a movie that we just watched. <laughs> yeah, I did not make that connection. That. Yeah. But yeah, okay, I see it. Um, but anyway. I guess we can start there with like just the bird's eye level plotting because I think that was one of the things so that kind of didn't stick for the, me. The movie's based on a novel, yes, and they stick pretty closely yeah. apparently to the plot of the novel. But okay. I think that that means that they sacrifice a lot of like connect connection or connective tissue to mm-hmm. s- stay true to the plot of the book. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, I guess I didn't have a problem with following it. Like for me, it, it, I was able to understand what was happening and how thing A led to thing B led to thing C and how like this plot, this investigation over here eventually ties into the next one that this other guy is working on. Yeah. Like that, it, it was e not easy, but like I was able to follow it. I think it takes a massive suspension of disbelief that this one dude is behind everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> like that's what this movie is putting forward. Is this idea that the, the James Cromwell character yes. has masterminded literally every crime <laughs> that occurs in this movie. They they and, almost imply that the main character's father was also killed by but, Right, because of it. <laughs> by it, it kind of came out of nowhere. They, but they yeah. they seem to say no, but the implication is possible that, that that he was like the spiritual killer and he stands in for the killer of yeah. the guy who actually killed his father. Yeah. You know, fine. But yeah. just like yeah. It take to me like once I remembered that that's what this movie does, it it just seemed so massively implausible on that level. Yeah, which is fine. Like fine. it gets yeah. to that. But if this movie is also meant to be a critique of the LAPD and police in general, if the problem with policing is one dude is evil and he's in charge <laughs> of everything and making all these crimes happen. And if you get that one dude, then our problems is sol are solved. That's not really true to life, right? Like that's not how, that's not why the LAPD is awful. That's not why police departments are dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like it has, it, it has like this basic, you know, plotting narrative problem, but also a political problem when it's making that move. Mm -hmm. I think we said similar things about training day. Yes. Yeah, I, I was reminded of Training Day watching this. Yeah. Several times. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I yeah. don't think it says... I think it's a better it, movie. I don't think it implies that as strongly as Training Day. Yeah, I think does. this is a better movie than Training Day. It, it does seem like there are a lot of like underlings to James Cromwell that are willingly participating. Sure. Yeah, but there's a whole bit at the beginning where yeah. they're like not ratting each other out because yeah. there's some loyalty to each other, right? And that's something we see come up all the time in the news today. Yeah. 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 Very relevant. To the film's credit. And the yeah. like the Italian mob is like shown on screen <clears throat> and there's they're like a counter power to like what's happening. Yeah. I mean they're drawing yeah. parallels between like especially earlier in the film they're drawing parallels yeah. between cops and yeah. and the mafia. Could you yeah. interpret it as the police chief being kind of a metaphor for like Kind of the corruptive force yeah, behind policing. I, yeah, I mean that's plausible. I think that because like he like you see him at the beginning and he's being all chummy with the police officers and he's mm -hmm. like, oh, this is a Christmas party. You know, you can call me my first name and yeah, kind of let loose, right? He's so he kind of represents the sort of camaraderie between the police officers, right? Well, and the the blue coat of silence, right? Like he is embodying yeah. that over and over again. We learned that the blue coat of silence is actually there to protect his massive criminal empire that he's yeah. developing. Yeah. Um, but it, it, is, it is also critiquing that idea. Like, that yeah. is... I mean, on the one hand, yeah, it's shown to be a bad thing, right? I think the movie gets into that a lot, actually. But, it does. Yeah. And then it paints Russell Crowe as a hero. And I think that that's, uh, that's my biggest problem with the film. Like, more than the narrative issues with the James Cromwell character, it's the treatment of the Russell Crowe character as a hero. And it's really tough for me to get around uh, that. I think he does take like a character turn where uh, Guy Pierce is able to like kind of turn him onto a side because he's. Okay, no, I'm sorry. Finish with that. So he's about to like kill Guy Pierce because he had, yeah. like had hooked up with his girlfriend. Right. Uh, Relationship <laughs> that makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think no. But that but that I think is the 
issue with the Russell Crowe character. That That's he's kind another of like, issue with the, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> issues so abound. That, that relationship makes no sense. And the plot kind of like turns on mm-hmm. that relationship and her betrayal of of this psychopath. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. it's at that point that he like becomes redeemed eventually. Like he ends up saving Guy Pierce and then he gets together with the girl at the end. And she like takes him back for no Right, he gets rewarded. Reason. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing like So I, I think that's that's the issue that you're trying to speak to, right? Right. Well, and yeah. what makes it or, or exacerbates it anyway is that it's not because Guy Pierce is the, the straight and narrow the whole time, right? Like he's not willing to plant the evidence. He speaks out against the corrupt, violent police officers. He's the he's the cop you want, the actual good cop, right? But what the movie does is it's not that Guy Pierce turns the Russell Crowe character to his strategy. He, he adopts the Russell Crowe strategy. It's just that the goal that is adopted is mm. the Guy Pierce goal, right? Because what happens as soon as they team up together, they go and beat the shit out of the DA and hang him outside of a window. Right, like that's the next step, and so it seems to me what the movie is saying is that it's not so much that Russell Crowe, whose character's name is Bud White, I believe. Yeah, so, right. yeah. It's it, so it's not that that White is is using bad tactics. It's not that his techniques are bad. It's that he is doing it towards the wrong end, and all that needs to be fixed are his goals. And that's a terrible message because what, what Bud White is actually doing throughout this movie is horrible. He's murdering people. He's planting evidence on his murder victims. He's uh, beating up dudes in Victory Motel somewhere. Mm-hmm. He's a violent criminal police officer who does not care about the law. Illegal searches abound in this movie, most of them <laughs> perpetrated by Russell Crowe. And the movie seems to validate that at the end. It seems to say that this stuff is okay as long as you get the corrupt you know, head honcho police guy at the end. And that I have trouble with. That, I think, seems like a really problematic seems like a very common police movie trope. It is a very common police movie trope. It's it's just like a superhero movie sort of thing. I think this one goes a little further, though. I think this one paints the police system a lot more corrupt than... I'm sorry. I don't than, than a lot of these like styles of movies do. There, I think that's what makes it more insidious, right? Yeah. Is that it's attempting to do. It starts doing that and mm-hmm. then pulls back at the end. So it's it, it's almost tricking you into thinking <laughs> that this is some sort of subversive movie. But then at the last minute, it's saying, "Oh, actually, we just need cops to continue to do all this terrible shit, but just do it towards something more noble than you know killing black guys." Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess, but <laughs> on the other hand, that we should still care about, you know, the Constitution, and we should care about not shooting guys in the back. Like, yeah. two or three guys got shot in the back in this movie. And, you know... <laughs> they do portray that as, like, the hard decision you need to make in order right. to do the right thing. Like, the, yeah. what, the, the shootout in the middle of the movie when they're, they have the wrong suspects, the last one is running away when Guy Pierce fires a shotgun at him. Mm-hmm. And he misses, but he fires a shot at a guy that's running away. And it's like, that's You murder. can't let him get away, right? Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> you know, and then he's a hero, and the movie treats him like a hero. Yeah, I, I thought it was funny that they introduce his character when he interacts with the police chief, and the police chief's like, oh, are you willing to shoot a guy in the back if he's about to get away? Or, yeah. you know, something kind of on the nose It's like a that. list of things that you shouldn't do. If you're yeah, a and then at the There's end, the he's faced... like, things that he's going to do. Yeah. Right, but at the very end, he's faced with a police chief who is walking away from him, mm-hmm. um, badge out, about to get away, and he does take the shot. Yeah. And it'd be, I don't, I think there's a way to tell that story, and, and it, that's responsible, mm-hmm. right? And I, I don't think this movie does it. I think that they are rewarding that specific behavior, 
Uh, it's not a critique. It's not. It's not uh, the Exley is the Guy Pearce character. It's not Exley falling from grace, right? It's his. It's him learning how the world really works. That's the. Yeah. That's the arc here, right? And the other way to tell this is to say, look at here's this good cop that we want, and here's how he sells himself over and over and over again, and he ends up being exactly what he hated to begin with. That's a compelling story. That's a subversive story and a true story. I think mm-hmm. that probably happens to a lot of police officers. The story that's told here is. Here's a guy that doesn't know how the world works, who's too naive, yeah. who's simplistic, and he eventually learns that he needs to cast that step aside if he actually wants to get anything done, which is kind of evil. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This movie's also stylized after like pulp novels. Yes. And yes. these other kind of like pulp cop movies from the 50s and 60s, but it, it kind of, in 90s fashion, like ratchets up the uh, violence and. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just like a thing of like 90s movies. Yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of blood here, more than you would see in a noir from the actual 40s or 50s. Yeah. Because um, they just have the ability to do it now. Um, both they can of, show the color now. Yeah, they yeah, can, you can show people. Literally, shot yes. They can, like, yeah, they can, yeah, they could have the ability to show color and just the technology to depict that kind of gore and the permission to do it. Yeah. There's no Hayes Code. Um, so there's all of that, but also they kind of embrace it. Um, yeah, it feels, I don't know, more, I don't want to say more honest, but. I think that source material, yeah. though, is that something that they're, like, trying to engage with and play with, mm-hmm. though, that, like, I think the way that they're, like, trying to, like, illustrate these things is meant to reflect on, like, oh, this is what these books were like, and this is what these movies were like, so it's. It's a very like uh, n- nostalgic movie in that way, and we know that from just from the exercise itself. Being a neo noir film is like an exercise in nostalgia. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, although this yeah. it does come into a kind of a, aware of that, right? Because they have the the badge of honor show, fictional show that yes is in the, that, like Kevin Spacey that uh, Kevin the Kevin Spacey character is a part of. Yeah, um, and I think that that is drawing your attention to both what this movie is, is attempting to do or thinks it's doing what the noir genre was doing and how cops are stereotypically portrayed on television and the media yeah. as, as heroes, as superheroes. Um, well, it's ironic because that's like what the whole movie is actually about, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's, it, it, I think you kind of muddle the mixture there when this movie ends up, I think, not saying exactly what it means to say. Um, yeah. But I get what they're doing with that show. I think they're very influenced by Scorsese too. Like they're, they're doing like that's a, what I thought immediately when the movie started. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a very complicated plot. There's a lot of characters. There's voiceover. Yeah, there's a central <laughs> guy who like starts. You know, he's he's small and meek, and then he like sort of becomes corrupt over time. Mm-hmm. That's a very like Scorsese character arc, um, and just being about like it's about the police, but it's about organized crime as well, and. Mm-hmm. Um, in a setting that Scorsese didn't touch, this is L.A. Yeah, in the 50s, not yet. but or yeah, yeah, but yeah, he's more of a, an East Coast guy. He's an East Coast guy, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the difference between this and something like Wolf of Wall Street or Goodfellas or Casino, I mean, there you have that <clears throat> rise to power and then the fall. Mm-hmm. Here, it, and, and that's portrayed as something that's a, a, a fall from grace, right? Like something that he's done that's wrong and. They don't do that here. Right? Yeah, I don't. I don't think yeah. they have the like religious messaging that Scorsese does, or the moral yeah. messaging. Like you can say, well, yeah, say but those two things are for Scorsese. Fine. They're the same thing. but yeah, they don't need to be. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, yeah but for Scorsese, his religiosity plays into like how these characters pay for what they do or yeah. don't pay mm-hmm. for what they do. Yeah, and and here this is meant to just be like a 
just a shooter action flick by the end. And right. yeah, like, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, how do okay? So how do we feel about the? I know you said you liked the ending a lot. I think that shootout's awesome. Like, really? That, okay. I, I think that's it seen was a, as one of the best cool scenes action in the movie. Scene. Yeah. yeah. Okay. To, to me, it like comes out of nowhere. It's like all of a sudden there's like in this you know a hard boiled detective movie that has violence in it, but not like this kind of heightened violence and not extended violence. Like it's just. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, how is this I mean, in this movie? Maybe I've played too many video games, but it feels natural for, like, a detective story to culminate into, like, a big scene like this. Okay. Because it's, like, building up to something big happening. Wow. Okay. It's, to me, it felt, like, out of place. I love that climax. I think wow. it's great. Okay. I wish more movies would do <laughs> shit like that. Tons of movies do that. Yeah, tons of movies do that. Like this, a shootout. Yeah. But, the, but this one kind of was just like slow boil and then all of a sudden it just like explodes into this moment. I also okay. like that they both get duped into into the it, shootout. I like the yeah. whole setup. Like yeah, how they get it there. It felt like a very obvious dupe though. They just well, kind of fall right into it. And they <laughs> knew it, right? Funny. Like I think that they, they each like are kind of suspecting it when they arrive at the, the hotel there. Um, but yeah, for me, it was just, I, I think I don't see many noir films do that. And no, but it, again, this is a neo-noir film. Right, which so. is why it kind of felt strange to me, maybe. Yeah. But I was still kind of taken aback. Yeah, they're it. breaking the genre. Like they're, they're breaking it in half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they're doing like a like very 90s thing. Like. Training yeah. Day has like a similar turn to it. Yeah, they didn't like it there either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it did, it did not land. Um, I guess like, I was kind of reminded of well, this is a spoiler, um, but of uh, the invitation, right? <laughs> Where it just like suddenly ends in something very but bloody and violent um, after not at all being that earlier in the film. Hmm. Um, I like that there too, though. So, <laughs> you, you, oh yeah, it worked there. It was for and, well, we're getting far off track, but yeah, I think yeah. it worked there for reasons. <laughs> um, but here I was a little bit jarred, bit jarred by it. I can see why you would be. Yeah. I just I yeah, like you. Have yeah. you seen the Wild Bunch? Nope. I'm glad no. that figured. Nah. <laughs> Have you seen the Wild Bunch? No. no. Okay, that famously ends in a like gigantic, gigantic shootout. Uh, probably one of the biggest, probably the most famous shootout in westerns. Hmm. And and I was kind of reminded of that. Um. What was the film? Like 300 Assassins or something? 100 Assassins? Some number of Assassins. <laughs> like the Numerous Assassins. X Assassins. Yeah. The whole film kind of builds up to this one like sword fight. Okay. It's really cool. good. Is then, it a recent movie? Yeah. Because I think I, I might have like seen that It's like a Takashi Mike or Takashi Mike style film. Because yeah. it builds up to them like fortifying a town home alone style and then fighting it out against the last, like, a large out, amount of like people. 45 minutes in the movie is like a giant Something sword like fight. Isn't that Seven Samurai? It's that, but it's more recent. Like the Takashi Mike version of that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, it sounds like you're describing Seven Samurai. Yeah, Takashi Mike is like sort of Tarantino right, inspired. Right. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. like, he does mostly Samurai movies, but he's inspired by like Westerns and Tarantino. And, yeah. <laughs> so that's a good place to draw inspiration from. Yeah. Um, so this was the first movie, uh, the first Kevin Spacey movie I've seen since we found out the, Kevin Spacey's a total creep and shouldn't work anymore. Well, he gets shot. He does get shot. So <laughs> if you want to see Kevin Spacey get killed, <laughs> this is the one. You can watch a movie. Very Spoiler alert. Very yeah. abruptly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. How did that impact your viewing? Did it impact your viewing? It it's, felt so a little weird when he was interacting with the homosexual actor. Yeah, it's yeah, it really 
hard not to think about it, just in general with him on screen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. very loud. Which was uh, yeah. hard to watch around. It's very distracting. Yeah. And especially, yeah. yeah, especially when they're calling attention to almost specifically the thing that he yeah, did. Yeah, it's weirdly on the nose here. Yeah. Like, yeah. That was bizarre. Um, so I don't, again, like we've been talking about this for, for months at, at this point, um, and it's still an important conversation, but... yeah. This is the first time I was like directly confronted with it <laughs> since then, and I had forgotten that Spacey was in this movie when I fired it up. Yeah, and <laughs> there he was. <laughs> He's also like, like capital A acting in this movie. Like his character is like very over the top. He's very suave. Yeah, he's, well, that's yeah. that he's always like. But that's like right? his like acting style. But this like is like scary. a young Spacey, so he's like doing that to like eleven here. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he he's not that young though. He looks like he's. Early forties, late thirties, something like that. Maybe. Yeah, right around there. Um, but I mean, yeah, this is twenty years ago. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. twenty years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, more than twenty. But yeah, yeah I guess I, I don't. I don't know what to do with that, and like how we approach that problem going forward is going to be a question for everybody. Yeah, I mean, we've already watched a Woody Allen film. Yeah, yeah and it, even that feels strange now. Yeah. Like if we were to, we did that a year ago. If we were to fire it up again, I might not have selected Annie Hall. Um, even though it is an important movie. But, yeah, here we are. Brett Stevens would be really mad at you. Would he? Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with that. No, yeah, I don't... I guess we just burn all these movies, right? That's... <laughs> and, that's and I think that yeah. there's... Because, like, Marlon Brando was kind of awful, too, right? It, it, especially in Last Tango in Paris. I'm sure Sinatra killed people. I'm sure, like, yeah. They, yeah. Killed people? It, he was had mob connections. Oh. And... Or he didn't personally do it, but had people killed. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I don't I know anything about Frank Sinatra. Do it. <laughs> Maybe he did. Yeah. But I, I think there's something... I mean, it's from the era where you could, like, throw somebody out a window and, like, the cops, like, wouldn't see anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie Maddox comes along and picks it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... I, Very much illustrated by this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's something about, like, Woody Allen is still current and alive, right? Like, he's not a historical figure at this point, and neither is Kevin Spacey. Whereas I think we can look at Sinatra or Brando or whoever, pick your, you know, awful man from old Hollywood, like Errol Flynn. We'll just say most. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like you can look at them with some more uh, objectivity because it's less immediate, maybe. Like, I don't know. But on the one hand, it feels bad to, yeah, burn all these films. But it's still... It's still like art that exists, right? Right. It's still something that exists that influenced films after it that you need to know about if you want to understand how film operates in America. On the other hand, seeing Kevin Spacey on screen right now, it felt weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no no two ways about it. I mean, there's there's lots of reasons to get rid of films like this, particularly like 90s films. Like, they're overly macho. Yeah. This one's like pretty racist. There's a lot of like racial issues in the film. Although less... It's kind of depicting the times. It is depicting the times and and less racist than a lot, right? It is criticizing them for their racism. Yeah. So I think that's okay. The problem was that the the kids that they like put... Not kids. They're not kids. They're they're men. But the the men that they like are are the fall guys still like did horrible things. Yeah. And so that was like... I think that's part part of like we don't like we don't in plotting like this, especially when it's fictional. We don't also need them to be like the the worst human beings. Uh, yeah, possible. yeah. If you you look at the range of possibilities for yeah. a, a black person in this movie, like at first you feel bad that they get shot, and mm-hmm. then later it's like, well, yeah, but they did this other like 
incredibly horrible thing. <laughs> yes, in they the just film. didn't and also do this other. Yeah, horrible they thing. just didn't do this other thing. So it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I we we grade on a curve in the '90s and earlier uh, <laughs> since then. Um, so I think like for a '90s movie, this one's doing okay because uh, at least it didn't. It's it's aware of racism in the LAPD. Yeah, and they they at least get a line for that uh, Mexican girl that said like, Who, "Who's going to listen to a Mexican girl if she can't help him out with whatever crime is happening?" That's something, but yeah, it's still. It's still racist. Yeah, and then I think what also bothered me about this film this time around that I've forgotten about was Russell Crowe kind of lays his hands on uh, Kim, the Kim Basinger They handled character. that poorly. Very poorly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's no sort of moment where he does anything to get redeemed and is, is later is redeemed. He... Not that like there's anything to redeem that, but right. like nothing happens and there's they end up together yeah. at the end of the film. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one thing that like, really struck me this time around where it was like, Damn. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like his, his redemption happens almost immediately afterwards where he like has yeah. a look on his face where he clearly realizes yeah. he did something bad and feels bad about it and runs yeah. off. But that's it. And the next time Kim Bassinger is on screen, like he kind of forgives him, even though he's not present, like she kind of forgives him within the film. And, you know, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like that's a bummer. Uh, so, and, yeah. and particularly as like a sex worker, I feel like more so than anybody else, they would know to stay away from people yeah. like that. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. like you just you know all the the warning signs, and when it happens, you know never to like be in touch with those people again. And that is not what happens here. Oh, and no, I think this is another moment where they're trying to play to like, oh, it's the fifties, and like this kind of stuff happened. Right. But again, they don't land it. Because yeah, they don't. They don't properly because, criticize exactly. It. Yeah, because they don't critique it at all. Um, speaking of which, yeah. uh, let's want to talk about Kim Basinger and how she does here. <laughs> she won an Oscar for this. She role. did win really? an Oscar for this. Yes. yes. Okay. So this movie is actually nominated for a lot of Oscars and huh. got uh, two. two because mm -hmm. Titanic was the same year. Right. And Titanic won all and it won of them. Everything. everything. Yeah. Except so it, for the one Kim Basinger won. Yeah. And the. Yeah. Yeah, the other one that it won was adapted screenplay, which Titanic was not qualified for because it was yeah. an original screenplay. Yeah, um, and this is on the novel. So. Yeah, and this is based on a novel. Yeah. And I think what actually won uh, best or best original that year was Goodwill Hunting, hmm. not Titanic. I'm pretty sure because hmm. uh, I know that was they, those were all the same year. Yeah, and then I'm trying to think like what choice I would make there. Oh, really? I think I would lean towards Titanic. Actually, I mean, I like both of those movies. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know. Whatever. Like, I, I, I can just at, say yes. I like both. At some point, the Academy probably felt bad giving everything to <laughs> Titanic, and they yeah. need to like. Give we it need to give one to Ben Affleck too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like yeah, the same until year Return that, of the King came out. Yeah, Return <laughs> of the King was the other one that that was just like, all right, let's relax. And and uh, oh, where they like got all the awards. Return of the King like swept everything. Yeah, they got like thirteen for, awards or yeah. something, and they get like all the technical and costuming. Which <laughs> yeah. Is, like, yeah. I mean, those they should get. I think. Yeah, the course, same thing yeah. happened to Titanic. Like yeah. it won a ton of uh, technical awards because Titanic was a technically right because they sunk a giant ship in the middle. Of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think Titanic's a great movie, so I'm not going to knock it for winning yeah, awards. Agree. But um, yeah, nothing else had a shot <laughs> that year. There was just no way. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. What did you think of Ace Jones' performance? I thought the character really didn't have anything to do, and it was a pretty misogynistic role overall. <laughs> <laughs> Period. Like, I, I, she, yeah. her relationship with Crow makes no sense, especially what we've already talked about. Yeah. Um, she does fine with what's available, but, like, there's no character there. Like, She's it's, just kind of there to be yeah, hot. It's, yeah, it's totally flat. Like, I was waiting for when they were going to make some sort of commentary on the whole, like, you know, hookers yeah. made to look like actresses thing don't do anything with like it looked like they were building up a joke with it once and it's really short yeah, yeah. on uh, someone looking like lana turner i think yeah, yeah and then and it's it was actually lana, lana turner, turner i thought that was funny that, is, that was fun sure yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. like it seemed like they had this very interesting like line going through the movie of like portrayed images or yeah. like displayed images and hiding their true selves or whatever that was going through everything but it never really went anywhere yeah because they're not interested in that character at all yeah, the, the writers here just aren't that into it. Yeah, this is a guy's film, and it does guy stuff. Yeah, it was disappointing though because they oh, they yeah, had they had a lot of good ingredients together for it, right? Because like it begins with uh, Danny DeVito describing L.A. as like the city of dreams mm-hmm. and all that, or at least they try to portray it that way. Yeah. He says, yeah. and then there's stuff in the police about like how Guy Pierce needs to like take off his glasses so he doesn't look like such a nerd all the time or that kind of thing, and he wants to look like a hero. Uh, DeVito, great narrator. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> really, yeah. really like DeVito it's, in this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. Is that yeah, they, and they set up all this stuff. Those things go with the whole like hookers made up like movie stars. Right. There's this whole theme going through the movie, and then it just kind of disappears. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the, it, they're not interested in it. I guess you could tie it into this idea of here we have the police officer, the police chief, who's supposed to be the yeah. paragon of law and order, and he's actually. The criminal mastermind. Yeah, that's right? true. But then that leaves the message being something extremely simplistic rather than something yeah. interesting of just don't read a book by its cover. It's like, okay, yeah. sure. Like some stuff is, is fake, right? Big yeah. deal. And yeah, it seems like all they did with Kim Bassinger being Veronica Lake is like show half a scene from Sullivan's Travels and like <laughs> that's it. Also, I thought that was funny that she spent most of the movie looking like <laughs> Veronica Lake and then she like is at the courthouse at the end and, and she looks hair. like Marilyn Monroe. Oh, okay. Yeah. With well, her new hairdo. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the reason cutting hair is significant there is that that's what made Veronica Lake famous. Like she, yeah. The the hair, the you know, sheet of blonde hair covering half her face, like that's the Veronica Lake look. Okay. Um. So I think that's her saying, like, okay, I'm no longer doing, I'm no longer in this business, but she's okay. going to Phoenix. She's going to be a dressmaker. No, not Phoenix. She's going to go to Brisbee, Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. yeah. Um, an, an even smaller town. <laughs> Maybe it was a bigger town at the time. But yeah, probably. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, she's going back to Arizona to small town. Arizona. Open a store. But yeah, yeah, I don't know why she got an Oscar for this. To be frank, like I don't think that she did fine work, but you know, there wasn't much there <laughs> as far as I can tell. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah, she was kind of flat. <laughs> yeah. But. I, I mean, I said this at the outset. This is like a very '90s, like masculine film. It's reminiscent of even like Con Air and Armageddon in that way, <laughs> where it's like I don't know if it's going <laughs> on at that point. No, it, but it is though, right? Because it's like 20 named actors, all of whom are guys, right? Yeah, yeah. In that sense, yes. And there's like a single female actor, Liv Tyler, in Armageddon, and uh, yeah, with the whoever Nick Cage's wife is in Con Air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with Liv Tyler with the uh, the Aerosmith song. Yeah. Um, don't want to close my eyes. It's yeah. not the name of the song. Don't want to miss a thing. They, 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 don't want to miss a thing. There it is. Yeah, they wrote yeah. like three th- songs in a row that are identical. Yeah. And I like, can't keep them straight. 
Oh, yeah. Aerosmith did. Yeah. yeah. I did like the soundtrack of this film, actually. This used the sort of cliche, like, jazzy sure soundtrack, did. but I, I thought it, like, worked <laughs> well in this film. Like, okay. Untouchables does the same thing, and I think this film, like, does it better. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. It felt a little uh, yeah. obvious. Yeah, yeah, of I'm course. Okay with it. It was all, nice. all those movies, this like entire movie's obvious. <laughs> yeah, that's like, true. That's true. Yeah, like I'm. Uh, I think that's the other. Like I think we need to say something nice about this movie. We've been shitting on it more. Than I I think this movie's fine. I think it's we, like a pulp. Nice it's like a so. fine like pulp action film from the '90s. I think it's one of the better like '90s films that is similar in style. Like. Yeah, yeah. It, it I, I think yeah. it's a little overhyped online because I looked up some discussion about it. And one of the one post I saw was like, was the last best noir or last good noir film made L.A. Confidential? Mm. No, no, yeah, no. which is probably not true. Yeah, we, we, I, I think even you can call Drive a noir film fairly, and it, which yeah, we talked that's about an last incredible week. films. Yeah, which is that was mentioned in the comments. Yeah, Drive is they mentioned Brick and Drive in the comments of that post. So yeah, not everybody superior, agreed. Yeah, both superior films. Yeah. Um, so I think the the phenomenon here is similar to what happened with, when we watched Tombstone. Like th- this is a better movie than Tombstone, I think. Uh, but it's, <laughs> but you didn't like it all. No, I thought Tombstone yeah. was pretty bad. Um, so I think this one is better by a wide margin. But I think it's also a phenomenon where people watched it when they were in high school, like I did, or middle school, or whatever, and haven't watched it since then, and just have all these fond memories of like the fun scene. The fun, yeah. The the fun of it and like this movie controls mood and tone really well and I think they remember that and haven't seen it in 15 years and I think if people went back to it they'd say okay this is like a decent action movie most of the time right it's a it's a fun movie like but they're not going to say this is one of my favorite movies ever right like I, I don't think that that is where most people would land if they watched it today. I think I think that makes the films better though like I think if you just think back to these films and think that they're great then I think that you're not reading the material correctly. No, yeah, and, I agree absolutely. And I think it, it makes the film better to like understand what. Oh, absolutely. What's bad about it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's exactly what we should be doing. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you are. You are correct. Yeah. Um, and I think that that this is a, a symptom of that. You see it all. I think Shawshank Redemption is the same way, right? Like, I think if people went back and watched that movie, that they would come away with a more nuanced understanding. That's still of it. really high up on like IMDb ratings. Always, it's right? It's totally average. Like, you've seen it, right? I have not seen it. Oh, God. I, I don't want to watch Josh and Redemption. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's a very... There's better Stephen King films, even. So many. Well, I've seen The Shining. Already, yeah. But, but Misery yeah. is better. Like they're... Even some of his B films are better. So Yeah. yeah. Josh and Redemption is just totally... The Applebee's of movies, right? It's just the middle Apple of the road. Applebee's of movies. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Total middle of the road. Um, and I think that this, this phenomenon happens a lot. Where people just... Don't rewatch movies, and that's fine. But you'll understand it better if you do. Or you see, like, you catch like the end of it on TNT or whatever. Right. Like, oh yeah, I remember all the good scenes from this movie now. Right. Right. And it's just like, therefore, my fond memories are renewed. Yeah. Um, but I think this movie does what I think it unequivocally does well is that tone and mood control. Right. Like it. It nails this looking like. You know, L.A. in the 50s, it nails the atmosphere of kind yep. of the neo-noir thing where it's a little bit lighter, a little bit more fun. Um, but it's got still, a knockout cast. Too. Yeah, it has a great cast. Even oh, they have speaking of, to do. there was a funny story about that I read on Wikipedia. But uh, <laughs> I forget if it was the director or the executive producer. What, after they had hired um, Brosnan and Pierce, he was like, well, we can't have like two Australians in this film. Wait, wait which two? 
or not Brosnan. Um, uh, Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce and, and Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Okay. He's like, well, we can't have two Australians in this right. film. Uh, Wait, Guy Pierce is Australian. No, he's British, and <laughs> Crow is oh. Crow's New Zealander. Yeah, okay, he's Kiwi. Uh, um, there we go. Uh, but both of them are associated with Australia. Pierce because he grew up there, and okay. uh, yeah, and, and, and Crow because Crow people think because New Zealand and Australia are the same. Place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he starred in Australian films, too, right? So people think he's Australian. Yeah, there was no. New well, Zealand it's like Canadians film being mistaken for Americans. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I thought that was funny. That is funny. Yeah. yeah. This, this is um, also a good, another great entry in the uh, Russell Crowe fighting things uh, genre. Yes. Right? <laughs> it seems like every I movie. think that's one of the few South Park bits that I know of. I think they is did that like a, a fighting around the world. Yeah. Oh, is that a thing? Famously South Park bit. Yeah. Oh, okay. I did not realize this. He just like, uh, the one the like the climax of that episode, he decides he wants to beat up cancer, but he can't, so he beats up a cancer patient. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Um, but yeah, this movie is another great entry in Russell, Russell Crowe fighting things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, over and over again. Yeah. Um, I like a lot of the side characters here. Cromwell is great. Mm-hmm. Cromwell's great in everything, even mm-hmm. in the bad movies that he in, he's in. He's great. He's another great that guy. Yep. Yeah. He's also uh, in real life awesome, too. His, yeah, he's, yeah. He's really radical, right? Like, he is... Very radical. Yeah. yeah. In the 60s, he helped um, Black Panthers hide out at his parents' house. Nice. I saw this whole documentary about it. There. He told the story, and his son played him in the documentary. Okay, and That's it's weird. about how he like helped Black Panthers like hide out his parents' house, but his parents didn't know what was going on. So he like it was this whole story oh, about God. about about how his parents just met these two Black Panthers who were staying at their house. And, um, but did they know they were Panthers? No, or they just had no like, idea. Here are my and these guys friends. are on the run from like the FBI. Wait, mm. where did this happen? Isn't he in wherever Cromwell grew up in the U.S. or something? Oh, I thought he was British. No, I'm pretty sure he's American. Is he? Oh. Okay, he's such a British Cromwell, right? He's yeah, such it's a, a British, name. British name. Yeah, I could be wrong about that, but this documentary is like pretty clear. This is something that happened. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did they get arrested? What happened to them? Um. Well, so they were able to like hide out. It was more about like the moment, right, okay. Of the hideout. I, I'm not sure what happened to the Panthers. They probably got killed by the FBI because yeah, yeah, the yeah, FBI killed most of the Panthers. But that's true. Um. But yeah, cool. he's. He's a fascinating guy, and he's he comes off really well even in the bad movies that he's in, where he like plays the president or whatever. He's the president <laughs> in a bunch of movies. Is he? Yeah, I feel like he's been the like guy who appears to be good but is actually evil role a few times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't remember what else he was in now for some reason. And, it, and that, that's like the nature of yeah that kind of. He's in a couple of like the Jack Ryan films, I think. Okay, he's the president or something. Yeah, and Tom Cruise is that's the safer president. Isn't that Tom Cruise? Jack Ryan. No, uh, that's Baldwin is the first like Jack Ryan movie. The Tom Clancy series. There's multiple right. Jack Ryan movies? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a bunch. There's like Clear and Present Danger. Uh, oh, okay. I didn't know they didn't. They weren't literally uh, called Jack Ryan. Because I think there was one recently that Chris Pine there's started. There's the, okay. the Hunt for the Route October. Um, oh. The one. Um, there's a bunch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I believe you. Yeah. Um, but Her- yeah. Harrison Ford played... Jack Ryan a bunch of times too in like a couple of films. Okay, okay. I just yeah. I didn't know the name of his character. I guess yeah. I only know the it's name a cl- now. It's a Clancy like series, but okay, yeah. I'm only aware of the name yeah. now because there's like this Amazon show starring John Krasinski, and I wouldn't notice if it didn't start John Krasinski because I'm a huge Office fan, and it feels weird seeing him as 
like a secret agent instead of a dopey paper salesman. He really wants to be an action star. Yeah, yeah now he's in like all these like reactionary like, like military movies. films. Yeah, military yeah. films. Yeah. Yeah, I think that he that's a <laughs> yeah. which is a weird turn for him. Very weird. Uh, he doesn't look like an action he star. He literally did a Save yeah. the Whales movie. <laughs> Uh, okay. Beforehand, and now he's in like all these like military reactionary films. Yeah, he was in the Benghazi yeah. movie, right? That Michael Bay did. Yeah, and now he's in this secret. Yeah, and it, it doesn't work for me. Like it, I can't see him as anything except Jim Halpert. I think yeah. he's so weird. Of Chris Pratt, right? <laughs> yeah, if, you, if Chris Pratt, yeah, can do it. Chris Pratt sold it. Yeah, uh, John Krasinski has not been able. Well, to. I mean, Chris Pratt kept doing comedies though, right? Like Guardians of the Galaxy is a comedy. Yeah. Right, that's true. The, his, the Benghazi story is not funny. His character yeah. in Jurassic World is comedic, like yeah, 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 exactly. And it, it feels like uh, although Chris Pratt kind of got into serious acting in Zero Dark Thirty. That's true. He was one of the <laughs> Marines. I mean, yeah. He was one of the Marines, but he was like the jokey or seals or whatever. Right, like yeah, he, was, he was he was cracking wise. Yeah, he's into it <laughs> like the whole yeah. time. Uh, and it feels like John Krasinski is running away from his talents at this point. Like he's. He's a funny guy. He actually doesn't stand out as much in that new horror film, A Quiet Place. That's true. That looks good. It looks okay. Like he, I, I can see, see him in that role for some reason. I want to see that movie. Yeah. It's him and Emily Blunt and various children. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Any any final thoughts on LA Confidential? Uh-huh. I don't think we gave Danny DeVito's too. I really like Danny DeVito in smaller roles like this. Yeah. Yeah. Small roles. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that, but uh, he. Nice one. His Martin part Lee is. Yeah. He has like a very side part in this film, but yeah. he's great whenever he's on screen. Yeah. And yeah, he's great narrator. Chews yeah. up the scenery, as they say. Yeah. 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 He's a, yeah. I think he's having the most fun here. Yeah. <laughs> His character is great too. Yeah. But he's this like scumbag reporter and it's very, very cartoonish. Yes. Yeah. But in a good way. So yeah, I think he's a, he's a highlight here, and yeah. it, it, it like I was down on this movie, and I think I do, I think I am more down on it than the both of you, but it's it's fine, like it's yeah. it's fun most of the time. Yeah. I don't think it sticks a landing, but other people disagree with me, so you know it's it's all right. What do you think of this one, Charles? I'd agree with that. Yeah. It's not a movie I'll go out and like recommend to people. Like I'm not like disappointed that I saw it or anything like that, but I'm not raring to see it again. Yeah. Uh, although more people, right in the should, more people should see it again because I think they would understand more about film and how they're reacting to film. Yes, yeah, Because true. it's so well remembered and perhaps unjustly. Got to reevaluate these things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's how I feel about it. All right. Um, in any event, we're going to take a quick break uh, and come back with things we saw this week and next week's movie. So stay tuned. All right, and we're back with things we've seen. So Charles, what did you watch this week? So I'll admit, I did not watch anything new this week besides LA Confidential. Um, but that's because most of my free time has been taken up because a new Civ 6 expansion came out, the Rise and Fall expansion. And uh, if any of you know how Civ works as a game, it pretty much eats up all of your time as soon as you open up the game. It's that's very true. dangerous. Yeah, like on Saturday, I was free at like 11 p.m., right? And it's a weekend, so I'm like, okay, I can stay up a little more and play some games. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, all right, I'll just play until maybe like 3 a.m. and stop and I'll be done for the night, right? And then before I knew it, it was 6 a.m. and I'm like, shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's how, Man, si- that's that how Civ so works. That's how Civ works. Seven hours. Yeah. It was something like that. But just like, I'm just playing and stuff happens every turn. And before you know it, the sun's coming up. That's how Civ works. Damn. Um, yeah. I don't think I am. I'm- 
I am putting on uh, old episodes of Seinfeld uh, while I am playing Civ, just because I like to have the extra noise going on, I guess, and yeah. Seinfeld's I fun. I listen to podcasts while I play Zelda. Yeah, nice. Yeah. The sound is totally unnecessary in Zelda. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, and Civ. I always turned on Civ. I think the last one I played was 4. Yeah. Uh, so do they have six sides on the various tiles now? Because yeah, they're hexes now. But they Civ they switched to hexes in Civ Five. Which meant they switched to pentagrams and pentagons in Civ Five. You can't have an infinite pattern though. Yeah, but they're it's yeah. Oh. All right. Um, so I I went to the IFC theater here in New York this week. Uh, support your local theaters. Yeah, yes. Uh, and I watched the uh, all the animated shorts that have been nominated really? for an Ooh, Oscar. Okay. Um, which is a treat. I recommend you do this if it's available wherever you are. Um, they are also showing the live action shorts, but I, I like animation better. Um, <laughs> and, <are> terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, they're delightful. Um, there's eight of them. Some are a lot better than others. Mm. Um, for instance, the worst one was called Dear Basketball. It's narrated by Kobe Bryant. Oh, that one. It's about how he's in love with basketball. Uh, from so a child up to adult. So it's like a Nike commercial. Um, yeah. It is a Nike commercial, basically. <laughs> okay. yeah. I'm surprised it got it's, nominated. It's like an extended Nike commercial. Um, afterwards, each one shows like its production company, and this one was by uh, Kobe Films, and everybody laughed. <laughs> Kobe. <laughs> Kobe. Um, but there are good films in this batch. Some really, really good films, actually. Um, so the one that I like the most is one called Negative Space, which was... I guess it's a it's a poem because they they say in the credits after that it's like poem by whomever, but it's this stop animated short about this guy who's like father how to taught him like how to pack a suitcase, and then how he would like as a kid like pack his father's suitcase and becomes about like that relationship. Very sweet. Very it like <laughs> not all these shorts are so short. This one is okay. uh, less than five minutes, and it's oh. It really does a lot in like huh. a few minutes, and it's that's always it's impressive. great. It's really, really, really good. Um, also has like a very peculiar animation short, like it's stop animation, but like the style is strange. Okay, um, and highly, like really, really like that one. There's always a Pixar short in the bunch. The so you got to see the Frozen short <laughs> for Coco. Luckily, no. Um, there's a there's a different one called Lou, which is about okay. these items that are in a lost and found box that kind of come alive and like it, it's Toy Story esque, but okay. it's also about bullying. <laughs> um, that's good. It's not good for great for Pixar. It's like good but not great. Yeah, sure. Um, like even their shorts tend to like do something incredible and amazing. And this one was just like a, a whatever. It's like the Incredibles of Incredibles of is short. great. You're nuts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Yeah. So it, you're saying it's, it's the Incredibles and not Cars. The, the Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm saying it's like the Incredibles but not Toy Story. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then uh, th there's a bunch of others. Uh, quickly, there's there's one that's called Revolting Rhymes, which is based on the Royal Doll story. It's the longest of the bunch. It's, it's uh, just under a half hour. Um, I really like it. It's very Dollyan in that there's like it's weird. It gets weird, and there's like pretty <laughs> violent moments, yeah, but it's also right. like a kids thing, and it's like very dark. I like that about it a okay. lot. Um, but I, I knew the story. It's based on. Revolting Rhymes, which is a doll book, mm -hmm. um, but it's great. Um, and then finally, the the other one that I really liked was one called Garden Party, 
And this is the strangest one of the bunch, actually. Um, it's completely silent. The characters are frogs and toads. Um, and what you slowly realize through it is that the frogs and toads are occupying what is a, a crime scene. Huh. Um, and they're just kind of hanging out. They have some anthropomorphic like interactions with the objects and with each other, but they don't speak. And it's like a, a murder scene of like a human. So it's like they're, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. good. It's weird and it's beautifully animated. It looks real, but it, it's clearly not because it's acted by. I'm very curious. Do they, so do they like talk? They do not talk. They just, they do like, it's weird, right? Cause they, <laughs> they, it's weird because they don't talk. <laughs> well, because they do some things that are like anthropomorphize them, but then other times they're they're like just a toad or just a frog. So okay, it's it's weird. I'm not sure why this was made or like where, <laughs> where like where like who the audience is. Um, you are evidently. I am, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. one of the stranger things I've seen in a long time. But it, it's good. Okay. Yeah. What's that one called? That one's called Garden Party. Garden Party. Okay. Which one should win the Oscar? Yeah. Uh, I think the Negative Space one should, but I think that the uh, Pixar one will, because people Cause just Pixar see Pixar and like, check the box on yeah. the form to vote. Because they're not going to actually watch all of them. Yeah. yeah. And like, uh, you probably are associated with Disney somehow if you're in Hollywood. Yeah, so you're going to vote for the home team always. Oh boy. Yeah. 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 So, but so, awards are bullshit. Is the message there? Uh, particularly with these small things that people don't actually watch the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Negative Space is great if you can find it. It's probably on YouTube. Go watch it. Okay. Um, but yeah, cool. that's what I saw. See, um, I saw a movie that I had mentioned in an earlier episode, but I want to talk about it a little bit more here. Called The Insult. Um, it it's a Lebanese movie. It takes place in Beirut, um, and it. Uh, centers around uh, two figures. Uh, one of them is a mechanic um, who is native to Lebanon, living in Beirut. Um, the other is a Palestinian uh, refugee who is also a contractor who is doing some work in some construction work in this guy's neighborhood. Uh, they have a disagreement about this guy interfering with this guy's home while he's doing his work and making too much noise and blah, 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 that eventually blossoms into a gigantic court case um, and it becomes a courtroom drama that stands in as a metaphor, not even a metaphor, just like very explicitly, the conflict between uh, native uh, Lebanese people and the Palestinian refugees who have, from the perspective of this man, um, invaded, essentially invaded their country. Uh, and the court case becomes a litigation of, of that issue, of the the refugees and immigration in Lebanon. Yeah. Uh, it may. I am now very interested in how the Lebanese court system works because <laughs> <laughs> this was some pretty wild <laughs> stuff that happened um, it, from my perspective. Uh, but it functioned really well as just a, a straight courtroom drama, um, but also as this humanist story about people learning to share space um, and people learning to be generous with what they have with, and people that, with, with those that have less. Um, and cultural exchange and what you can learn from those that are, are different than how you see yourself. Um, it's nominated for a Best Foreign Language Oscar this year. It feels very... That's, I knew I'd heard of it. That's, that's why. That's gotta be why. Yeah, yeah. that is why. Um, it feels very Western influenced in that way. Mm -hmm. it, it is paced like a Western movie. 
Um, it has a courtroom drama and like these big dramatic moments that probably wouldn't actually play out that way in real life. Um, so in that way, I think that's probably why it was nominated, that it was oriented towards a Western audience. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I think it still largely works as a film and is, is worth seeing. Um, some excellent performances from actors that you will not recognize because they're all Lebanese actors. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I, I, again, this is one that might be hard to track down if you li live outside of a big city, but if uh, it, it'll be streaming, you know, probably in a month. So <laughs> go check it out when you get a chance. It could even be streaming. It now. could be streaming. Yeah, now. Yeah. A lot of the films are. Yeah, so. concurrent with the. Yeah, I, th I saw it in a theater, but it might be yeah, on some service somewhere. Um, but yeah, the movie is called The Insult, um, and it is it, it, it's very good. So go go check it out. Yeah. What are we watching next week? Um, so yeah, next week we are. I, I was going back and forth, and I really had not decided um, before the when the episode started. But I think we're going to watch a movie that was referenced in LA Confidential um, and try Roman Holiday. Okay. Uh, so this is going back. Um, this is not a dude movie. Finally, I think we had to run for a while with a lot of dude movies. Uh, this one is not. Um, so thank you, uh, everyone, for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you've been sharing the show, if you like our new segment at the end here, uh, please let us know. Um, we want to make sure that it's landing. Even um, if I screwed up the editing. Even if if someone screws up <laughs> screws up the editing, um, please let us know. And if you have any requests or suggestions, uh, we are all ears. Uh, join us next week for Roman Holiday.